What is it like to move from Beijing, China, to Provo, Utah? How does applying for the Foreign Service compare to applying to medical school? What are some innovative ways to make money while in medical school? And how does the field of ophthalmology make a really big impact in such a short amount of time? Today on Talking Admissions and Med Student Life, I interview Ian, a third-year medical student here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Okay, welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. Fantastic guest today, third-year med student, Ian. How are you doing, Ian? Doing great. This is quite the honor. I'll, I, I've been waiting for this, Ian, because you have a lot of um, eclectic activities, and we're going to talk about it. All right, let's go back to the beginning. Okay. When did you decide to go to med school? Where did that, where did that come from? Um, probably like high school, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I think it was probably just, uh, I liked science classes and, uh, I feel like, um, you know, medicine just kind of appealed to me. I don't have any doctors in the family. Is this Utah? No, I was, I went to school in, uh, Beijing. Okay. So my dad works for the foreign service. So I grew up overseas mostly. Okay. So I was in, uh, the international school of Beijing and I don't know, I broke a lot of bones. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why. And I uh, had to get my bones set and casted and all that stuff. Why were you breaking bones? Uh, I don't know, just accident prone. It's not okay. like I'm ath- I'm not particularly athletic. Okay. And that's probably part of the problem. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, like what? you know, like middle school, I think I, I was playing tag. Well, elementary school, I played soccer, broke my leg. Playing tag, broke my arm. Middle school, I was playing tag again, broke my arm. So I didn't realize the first time that was a bad idea. Broke my wrist actually, and then I broke my collarbone playing rugby in high school. And then uh, I was, and I, I broke my thumb a couple years ago, but that hardly counts. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so what you're saying is brittle bones. <clears throat> brittle bones. Accident prone. Brittle bones, accident, accident prone. Did you have? So are you going to? Is this in? So this is in China. Are you going to the hospitals a lot? I mean, you know, like the I went to the Western Hospital. Oh, okay. So there's, there's a Western Hospital. Yeah, it was a Western okay. Hospital. All right. All yeah, right. For the you know wealthy Chinese and okay. foreigners. All right. So like you're there, and then like <clears> just kind of. Great doctors, great care. Yeah, right. I, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I'm not that interested in orthopedics either. I just think it, the kind of the ideal idea mm-hmm. appealed to me. My brother and I watched Scrubs, so mm-hmm. you know that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And uh, you know, slightly off topic, how was it like growing up in Beijing? It was great. I liked it a lot. Because um, there's this image of like a lot of pollution, people wearing masks. Yeah, uh, ten million people in the city. I'm not even sure what the number is. Uh, there's certainly more than that, like probably over twenty. Oh, okay. I think mm-hmm. um, at least you know in, in like the greater Beijing area, there's like you know tens and tens of millions. There, were, I read an article recently, well, not recently, but a few years ago, that was saying that they like planned on creating this huge urban corridor between Beijing and Tianjin that would have like a hundred million people, mm-hmm. and they were going to build like they have like some high speed high speed rails going through, and they're just going to basically build all that up. But anyway. Um, it was good. We liked, I kind of lived in the suburbs, so, uh, my friends and I like to pretend we lived in an American suburb, go to McDonald's, and, you know, once I got my learner's permit or whatever, I just, we'd kind of drive around, and... Was it behind, like, gates or walls, or was it just kind of open? Uh, we, like, they had... I assume there's security everywhere, though. No, I mean, it was pretty open. Okay. It was pretty open. Like, we we lived in, like, gated compounds. Okay. Um, but, like, you know, it's not like it was unsafe outside the gated compounds, or Mm -hmm. that we were, like stuck in the compounds we'd always go out and our school was about two miles away from my house and so mm-hmm. we just sort of had our own community we didn't how, go into town super how big often school? how many students uh, my high school there were 600 oh yeah, 600 fairly big students yeah, yeah it was pretty big and mm-hmm. then it, it was a high school middle school and elementary school together and so 
total all in English. 1800 or so. All taught all, in English. All in English. Okay. Yeah. You had to have a Chinese fun. classes, though, if you wanted to, right? Right. You can. Yeah. With varying uh, levels of efficacy. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think the... Uh, so the school is... Yeah, so it was about 1,800 people, and um, you had to have a foreign passport to go there. Mm-hmm. So it was all foreigners. Okay. Yeah. Right. I'd say, like, maybe 40% Americans. So that's pretty cool. I probably had friends from all around the world, right? Yeah. 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 So learn to speak Chinese, I assume. Some, not some. like not amazingly. No. Yeah. Like I said, we like to pretend we live in an American suburb, so mm. uh, there wasn't too much language learning. But I got a, a bit of foundation. So. Were you able to like travel the countryside and kind of see all the sites? Oh. Yeah, we went. Uh, we traveled quite a bit. Um, uh, let's see. When I was in high school, we had they had trips every year organized by the school. That was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Called China Links or China Studies. So for that, um, my freshman year, we went to Inner Mongolia and rode bikes for a week, which was really fun. Mm. And then for uh, I think in eleventh grade, we went to Pingyao, which is like this ancient walled city. Mm-hmm. Is that where the terracotta warriors are? No, that's in Xi'an. Okay. So Pingyao is like uh, it was like an overnight train ride away from Beijing. I'm not. You know, when you're in high school, you're, like, vaguely aware of geography. Mm-hmm. Um, you think it's normal. Like, oh, everyone, yeah, everyone yeah. lives in China. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I take a taxi yeah. I'm in town, you know. I yeah. don't really know where anything is in relation to each other. Mm-hmm. But then uh, and then our senior year, I went to um, uh, Yangshuo, yeah, mm-hmm. in Guilin, which is, like, you know, they have all those paintings of the rolling hills in China. And, like, mm-hmm. that's sort of where that originates from. They have all the cool, like, mountains and rivers and stuff. Feng Shui is really great. So, graduate from the international school. Mm-hmm. Where'd you go to college? Uh, I went to BYU. Okay. Only place I applied. Okay. My brother. All your my brother went there. Right. My sister went there. My parents went there. Legacy. That's right. It's the yeah. family tradition. Okay. And like back then, they published the graph. You know, where it's like, oh, like your GPA and your ACT score. Like, if you are above this, you'll get in, mm-hmm. and if you have this, you'll get a scholarship. And like, I don't think they published that anymore. But back then, it was just, like, this great grid system. So mm. I was like, oh, okay, I'd be pretty assured that I would get in. Mm. So, yeah. Right. So how does it feel to jump from Beijing to Provo? Uh, I mean, we pretty went, similar, right? Yeah, yeah, it's about the same, you know. It's, like, similar feel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was definitely some culture shock. But I, I like think, what? What was kind of shocking? Um, I think, uh, I mean, I'd come back for summers to mm-hmm. Utah, because both my parents are from Provo, so mm-hmm. and I had a lot of family in Provo. So from that aspect, it was nice. But like on the other hand, it was sort of like, um, you know, just just kind of a different background. But fortunately, like you know, BYU, there are a lot of people that I knew from from mm-hmm. high school and stuff that went there too. So it's not like I was alone in my in my culture shock. Okay. But like a lot of people from, you know, who who. Uh, just had different experiences but you know i think college is always sort of a shock for yeah, everybody yeah so you know? it's kind of it's a big jump living yeah. in the dorms i assume you lived in yeah, the dorms yep. and lived in the dorms human yeah. halls human halls yep just gotta love it all that's right it's classic all right so you get to byu still thinking medicine um what kind of activities did you start doing <clears throat> how did you kind of solidify that and how did you get ready for med school um so i did uh, uh i'm trying to think so i started off as a biology major and then i went and served a mission in California, speaking Chinese. That's mm-hmm. sort of where I, like, you know, finally actually sort of solidified my ability to speak Chinese. I know it's several years in the rearview mirror. A little yeah. disappointed with the California call. Yeah, you, you know. you kind of hoping for the Hong Kong, isn't it? I Taiwan. Mean, yeah. yeah, like I knew when I got the packet because it wasn't thick enough, you know. Couldn't, oh. couldn't, couldn't have any visa papers in it. Oh. Um, but 
oh well it, it, it ended up being fine water and under it, the bridge exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my parents or my dad went to Taiwan my brother went to Taiwan you know mm-hmm. I was just trying to follow in the family tradition mm-hmm. and uh, but it's okay California was fun and I uh, had a great time so um, but yeah so I did that for two years then I came back and switched my major to Chinese mm. um, because I liked studying Chinese and it was fun and uh, I figured it'd be easier uh, and that could sort of pad my schedule with Chinese classes. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, kind of more of a unique angle. And then I, uh, yeah. What, like, did, were, you, were you shadowing doctors? Were you doing community service? What kind of uh, stuff were you doing? I didn't do a ton of shadowing. I did, I did the Red Cross. I, like, sort of vo- did some volunteer teaching mm-hmm. of CPR for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I joined the Chinese flagship program which is a two-year thing. One is domestic and the other is abroad. So it's like a study abroad program. Okay. Federal government gives you $15,000 and you go overseas, you go to China and we did one semester at Nanjing University. Yeah, I remember and that then, in your application. Now. Yeah, and then yeah. one semester you had a lot of China internship. stuff in your application. Yeah, yeah. you know, I just really, you know, took the China angle and yeah. ran with it. Yeah, international yeah. school, yeah. It got me in here. That, that's your corner, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, um, so... So, yeah, so I was in China for a year. Uh, I, for my internship, I was at an ER at this Western Hospital, same mm-hmm. place where I went when I broke my mm-hmm. collarbone and stuff. And my See, circle of life. Yeah, exactly, yeah. circle of life. Now you just need to match in that residency out there. Yes, and, that's yeah. right. Yeah, the Beijing United Residency. <laughs> yeah. That's the highly coveted. Uh, it's combined plastics, ENT, ortho, opto. Yes, 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 that's right. So I, just so, so I can get everything. eight years. It's a secret. It's, yeah, it's eight years. Dr. Uh, and traditional. Don't forget traditional. website. He can send you to yes, more about it. Yes, that's right. And traditional Chinese medicine fellowship. Yep. You know, you sure. can do yeah. exactly. Um, you can make a lot of money if we create that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's true. Like all the alternative medicine things, not covered by insurance. Um, so yeah, went back there, and then that's, and I think that you did was research in Chinese, Chinese language or something like that, didn't you? Or like, uh, yeah, I did. So I did. A, I got a grant. Well, yeah. So I did um, one research project. It was sort of a public health research project. Um, where I went to Taiwan and I got a grant from BYU to do mm-hmm. this. I went to Taiwan and I did a survey of medical students to see what kind of their specialty yeah. choices were. Because yeah, yeah. like Taiwan has this rapidly aging population to see how many people would be interested in going to geriatrics, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, that was only mildly successful. I did get some people to fill the survey out, but it wasn't as easy as I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did a uh, two-month um, research internship thing at uh, Academia Sinica, which is the big research institution in Taipei. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really fun. Cool. And uh, so, yeah. All right. So applying to med schools, obviously you got in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and kind of talking about your jump from Beijing to Provo, how is that jump from undergrad to med school? Um, easy, hard. It was, it was fine. Mm -hmm. I think it was fine for me. Um, it was a little harder just because I, you know, there's a lot of transitions. I just gotten married and I barely got into med school Mm -hmm. first off. You know, you know, I thought I, 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 you know, I had good test scores. I had, I had a good, I had a good MCAT and I had a good GPA and I had all this other experience. I thought I was going to be like Mm -hmm. the bee's knees and then everyone would like be clamoring to, you know, admit me. Wanting it, Ian. Yeah, exactly. So I only applied, applied to set 11 places which was Ooh, that number's low yeah that it was kind of stupid in retrospect and then I, and I also applied like really like you know ambitiously because mm-hmm. I was like oh well, you know like I'm such a 
boss, like, I'll definitely get in. Mm-hmm. And I ended up not – I got an interview at Duke mm-hmm. early, and so that was, like, encouraging. I mm-hmm. thought I was, like, really awesome. And then I – and then I uh, – there was some snafu with my application here where mm-hmm. they rejected one of my letters. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't – they didn't tell me until after – uh, the deadline and I was going to have to wait for another cycle, but mm-hmm. I ended up appealing it and it was fine. And I, but I interviewed a little bit later here and then I interviewed at UVA and then I got in here off the wait list okay. and that's it. So I didn't have any other offers. Did you call up UVA and Duke and say, take me off your wait list? I'm in. Or did you, kinda, I, were you uh, kind of secretly open? No, I was rejected from Duke. Okay. I was rejected from Duke in March and that's, and then I, at UVA, I was on the wait list. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the wait I, list, it's, it's, it's not a good place to be. Yeah, no. It's just, it's, you never people, know. People have told me it's like actually better. Well, not, not all. Like, a lot of people feel that it's better to not be accepted or rejected because then you know. Mm-hmm. Because the wait list is just this like indefinite. <clears throat> yeah, it's like nebulous, future. nebulous thing. You can't really plan things. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it was, it was pretty. Uh, uh, I was having some sort of existential crises at the time, you know, it's like, Oh, do I, do I really want to apply again? You know, fortunately I got off the wait list here in, I think it only took like three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. Were you thinking um, about the foreign service at all? I did. I did okay. take the test. Okay. So I took the, the written exam and I passed it. And then they have this, the next section is the PNQs, the personal narrative questions. Oh, and, I thought there was a, a group interview thing they do. Uh, there is. Like that's a, the third step. Oh, okay. So the second step is the PNQs and mm-hmm. that's like, probably the hardest mm-hmm. because you essentially entail it basically entails lying about your accomplishments mm-hmm. and like making yourself sound like unbelievably awesome mm-hmm. like unbelievably awesome like no one no one of my age does group, this kind of sound like med school yeah it does it, like, de- it definitely does but toot, this one you have to toot your horn or yeah you yeah. definitely do yeah. this one is like actually like kind of like it's it's crazy. Like I read my brothers and I was like kind of like I like was, had to break out in laughter several mm-hmm. times because like you didn't even like you didn't do that. <laughs> and uh, so like you know like lots of fabrication mm-hmm. goes into it. I didn't fabricate well enough, and so I, I didn't pass that uh, section. Mm-hmm. But but anyway, so that was sort of out. Or I think I was waiting on the results of that. I think I heard in May or something mm-hmm. that I was that that didn't I didn't pass that part. And then and I also was um, there was this sort of investment banking program thing out of uh, Goldman wow, Sachs. Wow, you really were kind of... I was really you like... Your I was, scram- I was yeah. scrambling. Yeah. I was definitely scrambling. So... Well, you were just married. You could have told your wife that you just want to... I was, I, was I was engaged. Just, I was not quite engaged. You just want to stay home and play video games and mine yeah, gold coins. Exactly. <laughs> and have her... Yeah, go gold farming. Yeah, play gold World farming. of Warcraft yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I'm sure that would have yeah. been really, really great at the beginning I, of your, your yeah. relationship. Well, she told me that if I went to work for Goldman Sachs, then I might have to marry someone else. So, oh! Yeah, she did not want to be married to an investment banker so okay uh so anyway fortunately i got into Mm -hmm. the u so we didn't have to cross that bridge okay and then easy harder than undergrad i mean what was your biggest surprise as far as like curriculum Um, goes as far as learning yeah i thought i thought it was pretty pretty manageable Mm -hmm. honestly first two years were quite quite nice i watched most lectures from home Mm -hmm. um on my laptop at two times speed and, uh, you know, I kind of liked the, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of diminishing marginal returns. So, you know, I'd study for maybe six hours a day, um, but like any more than that, and it's sort of hard to focus. And like, you know, certain days, of course, you study more and certain days you study less and just sort of trying to balance life and, and stuff like that. And uh, it's all very doable. Doing yeah. well. Oh, totally. What kind were you involved in any extracurriculars or student interest groups during the first couple of years? Yeah, I was... Uh, so I was in the um, the AMA group, okay. um, and so I was a delegate to the AMA against American medical, medical advice. Against medical advice, okay. yes. 
the American <laughs> Medical which is Association. Which a very ironic position to take when you're med school. Yes, okay. of course, <laughs> of course. The uh, Association for, uh, yeah, okay. against medical advice. Mm-hmm. Um, so the AMA, was that was fun. So I went to Chicago and Hawaii to the two of the meetings. Sweet. Um, and so that was interesting. And then I, I was in the Health and Human Rights Club. Mm-hmm. Or I sort of helped, like, run that oh, as what's well. Um, <clears throat> so it was started by... Uh, I think her name is Susan. Mm-hmm. I hope she doesn't listen to this because I feel bad. I'm pretty sure her name Even is. Over 10 million people listen to this. I know. I, yeah. So the circulation. There will, there will be a few Susans. That's right. Yeah. The Susan, cir- wherever you are, exactly. shout out to you. She yeah. did. So yeah. she she was a fourth year mm-hmm. student and she she had sort of started this group. Um, she was really into like uh, global health and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so um, essentially sort of to raise the profile of uh, health or human rights issues in healthcare mm-hmm. and uh, help and get people to we, – we, we, we threw a couple of panels and lunch lectures with people who were involved with the community. Dr. Franschuk is our um, faculty advisor. She does a lot of stuff with like ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. She's wow. a pediatrician. Wow. So, yeah, just kind of stuff like that to sort of like, you know uh, – uh, more humanist sort of societal issues and consideration of those as a, as a student. That's really cool. I, I had heard about that group, but didn't know too much about it. Yeah, no, it was, it was cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, what about jumping into research? Are you, were you do, did you do any research the first couple of years? Yeah, so I did the um, MSRP, Medical the Student, Student Research Program. Research program. Yeah. And uh, I'm just throwing down the acronym jargon mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Um, I'm interpreting for the audience. Yes, yeah. that's right. Mm-hmm. So I'd heard... I'd heard good things about ophthalmology, so I got involved with the 4th Street, um, the homeless uh, clinic down mm-hmm. on the 4th Street for mm-hmm. ophthalmology, and then I um, contacted a research mentor in um, at the Moran, uh, Dr. Tian. Mm-hmm. And so he he's from China, and so we kind of connected over that. And then God. all his people. Love it, you, I know. You play all the I really angles. do. Yeah. All, his, all the people in his lab are like from when you China. You started corresponding them? Did you write and like talk in Chinese? Yeah, and exactly. Then, and then you just showed up. And, yes, exactly. Yeah. And he's like, I was like, oh, another Chinese researcher. He gets a lot of Chinese like research fellows from mm-hmm. who come from China. Mm-hmm. And then his wife works in the lab um, and she's Chinese. And then uh, he has a graduate student mm-hmm. who is American and doesn't speak Chinese. He's the only one. <clears throat> but. So I did some bench research there, um, dissecting mice eyes and stuff like that. Cool. And uh, had a good time. I, I sort of co authored this paper with a Chinese fellow mm-hmm. um, researcher. Um, so, yeah, that, so that was fun. It was good. I got to use my language skills and, and uh, did, did a research project there. And uh, hopefully I'll be, pre- well, I, I'll be presenting it at the, like, uh, what is that? The Association for Research and Vision and mm-hmm. Ophthalmology in April or whatever. But um, yeah, so that was good. Did that, um, and then I sort of was working with him as well. Okay. Too. But you know, and I became aware of another activity we were doing during the first couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I was going to ask you about that because I find it fascinating. So, how did you make a little money during the first couple of years? Uh, well, you know. I had a little bit of extra time okay. um, watching my lectures on two times mm-hmm. speed, so I uh, decided to drive for Uber. For, Fascinating. Uh, so I don't, I don't know any other med, med Did you know any other med student uh, was an, an Uber driver? I know driver? Scott. Uh, I feel like Scott in, from my year, okay. um, Eldritch, okay. he did some lifts. Like, I know he did it previous to med school and maybe over the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how many hours a week were you? 
Ubering? Oh, uh, well, I got a little bit obsessed, like, when I was first starting out. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember exactly how many I did, but it may have been, like, 50 or something like 50 that. 50 hours? It may have, it okay. may have been, wow. like, the first week or two. Mm-hmm. Like, I was, it was, because it's kind of like a game, you know, you yeah, like, sign yeah. up on the app, and it's then, like, you get pinged, yeah. and you're like, okay, like, I'm going to go, and then you, like, at one point, I remember I was looking on my phone at, like, 10 p.m. one night, and it was surging, you know, that's when the price, mm-hmm. um, like, doubles or triples, and you can get, make more money. Mm-hmm. And so it was surging. So I like jumped out of bed and like threw on some clothes and like went out. Like practicing, I'm going to the OR. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was like, oh, I could make so much money. I think yeah. I made like eight bucks for like a five minute trip. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so it was just it was just fun. I like to chat with the people. And yeah, I so like, for, would you reveal that you were studying medicine in medical school? Or, yeah, yeah. Or would you I, not talk about yourself? I mean, how did that play out? It kind of depended on the conversation, just where it went. And mm-hmm. we just chat and see what they were up to. And, you know, I tell them that I was a medical student and just mm-hmm. making some money on the side. Um, so yeah, it was fun. I met, uh, let's see, I'm trying to remember. I think I met some friends of one of my classmates, like it was like one of my classmates, like parents or friends of her parents or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah, I met some interesting people. Cause like Sundance just happened. So were you really excited? Cause like, you know, or is about a celebrity, Um, you know, sighting might go up. Would you get, like, anyone famous ever in your car? Well, no. The stupid thing is I started, like, mid-February, so it was, like, right after Sundance, which is, like, doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. because, like, you you can make a ton of money doing Sundance. Mm -hmm. But I also drove a Toyota Corolla. Yeah. It was, like, 2004. Those were your wheels? Yeah. So it was, like, and, like, I was missing a hubcap when I started, too. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I just, like, rolled up and, like, people were, like, like really? Like, did you, you have a little snack? Because I've heard people putting little snacks in the back seat. No, I kinda, didn't. Kind of sell the experience. I didn't do that because it's kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like you don't get any benefit from having a good. Uh, like you need you need good ratings, but like I got I got five stars mm-hmm. by just like doing my be, be just like mean. chatting yeah, and be, driving, be, yeah. just crappy car, mm-hmm. you know. And and like I think you know anything else would have been kind of overkill. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but anyway, yeah, I did that for a couple months, and then um, after that, Trevor Annis, he, mm-hmm. he's uh, he has some friends who do um, they run this company that collects signatures mm-hmm. for political political campaigns, mm. and uh, <clears throat> so we did that. Um, that was more lucrative than Uber, so oh, I started doing that instead. Like we, so we were gathering signatures for. T- so backing up. Oh yeah, going back to Uber. Mm-hmm. Any medical emergencies. No, you ever have to use your. I didn't have to take anyone. I didn't have to take anyone. No babies. No. So no babies. No like, you know, traumatic injuries. No. So there was no blending of your two worlds. Yeah. Unfortunately, not. On the other hand, driving one right to the hospital. It's probably fortunate that that didn't happen because I would have been like, oh yeah, uh, Mm. let's see. Um, Well, we just we learned in foundations. Mm -hmm. You know, like I wouldn't have known anything. What? And again, going back to Uber. Like, what insight do you have about human behavior? People just love going to the airport. I mean, like, you must have picked up some things just doing that so much. Um, you know, some. I think people are generally friendly and, mm-hmm. you know, like, are generally pleasant. Okay. Like that was ma- one of the things that I maybe picked up. There were a couple, you know, bad apples. One, ironically, was an investment banker <laughs> who uh, talked about how he used women for breeding. And at, when I said, I'm sorry, your wife threw you out of your house. And he's like, oh, that's okay. I use women for breeding. I was like, oh, man, you're a horrible human. <laughs> and then he didn't even tip me, which was just horrible. I should have just, I should have... Uh, I, you know, anyway, That's I was young, you awful. know, That's in the service awful. industry, you try to accommodate people. Yeah. Don't want to call them out too much. And did you ever learn about really kind of great, like hidden restaurants? Cause people kept on going there or, um, not really. no, not really. It was okay. more like just airport and then some other like 
sort of random commuting to work and okay. stuff like that. Right. So. And then jumping to the signature gathering. Mm-hmm. So what exactly, would you be the guy outside the supermarket doing your thing? Or uh, going door to door? Yeah, door to door. Going door to door. Yeah. Going back to the doors. Go, right? Yep, tracting. Wow. That's Wild the life. Wild LDS missionaries. Would not, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that's right. Hey, you know, it's, it beats sales because you're not really selling anything. Yeah, you're, you're just not, kind you're of not. gathering a signature. It doesn't okay. cost them anything. Okay. Um, the, the company's called Gather. Were you, were you paid by signature or just by hour? Paid by signature. Oh, okay. So for, um, we're collecting signatures for Tanner Ainge. Who was running for um, uh, Congress? Uh, 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 I think it was um, who's he? Jason Chaff- Chaffetz. Mm-hmm. He announced he wasn't re- uh, running for re-election. Ultimately unsuccessful. Um, yes, he yeah. was ultimately unsuccessful. And but he was, you know, because in Utah, if you get enough signatures, you can get mm-hmm. your name on the ballot, even if you don't get money. That's pretty controversial. Like, there's a lot of uh, kerfuffle about this. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good. Uh, it's I think it was sort of designed to like sort of diminish the Republican Party's stranglehold on the primary process. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so we got $5 a signature, which is pretty awesome. Five bucks a signature? Yeah, wow. it's pretty great. Um, and so uh, we just go door to door. How would they verify it, though? What, what would stop someone from just, like, signing or faking? The- so they sent it to the lieutenant or the uh, lieutenant governor's mm-hmm. office, and then they would verify all the signatures. And really? They, okay. So they pay 50%. So it's more than signature. You have to, like, probably write down your contact information yeah, and, and yeah. address mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. So there's, like, some background info that right, people are providing. that they could verify. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they'd, they'd pay 50% up front, and then they'd pay you, like, the rest of whatever. So if you if if your signatures were verified at, like, 90%, mm-hmm. then they'd pay you an additional 40 for, or the rest, like 40% mm-hmm. or whatever, of the $5 at the end yeah. once the, all the signatures have been verified. So so that was pretty good. Was there no – so would this company just any cause? I mean, would you would you have the choice <clears throat> to like, like, you know what, I don't support this candidate or I don't support this petition or – To me, I mean, you, do yes. money is money. Yes, you, would, you do have a choice. You do have a – You, you, you have don't a, have to do it if you don't want to. <laughs> okay. Because, but if you don't want to make money. Okay. But, right. I, you know, I was just a hired gun. Okay. After that, we did um, ballot initiatives. Okay. So we had the marijuana bill. We had Utah. Uh, let's see. Um, it was the. I love uh, it. Man. You're bringing up all these controversial. Things. I know. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll just go there on this podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was the. It was the marijuana. Yeah, it was the marijuana ballot initiative. Yeah. Um, there was one for schools and one to change the the signature gathering process mm-hmm. to make it easier for people to get on the ballot. And so I gathered signatures for those. But that was only two dollars. Would they give signature. you some talking points? Or yeah, they okay. gave some talking points. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could repeat them if you really no, want no, me no, to. No, just, it's I'm been just, a little while, though. I'm just kind though. of fascinated because, like, again, like... It's been over a year. There's this perception that, like, people who do those things yeah. are volunteers because they really believe right. in those things. Yeah, but then, that, that was a nice... Apparently, there's this other side of the industry right. where they're hired guns. Yes. Yeah. And I think some of the initiatives had, like, part volunteers, part us, mm-hmm. you know, like us hired guns. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know... But, like, they don't know. And so, like, the thing is, like, they think we're volunteering. And, it like, so they're like, oh, you know, like, or even if they didn't want to sign, they'd be like, oh, you know, I don't really want to sign. But, like, thank you so much for doing this and, like, supporting our democracy. So, like, I think that's a very different response and than you, you get with brain, sales. I'm actually supporting capitalism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, you know, they go hand in hand. Democracy and capitalism. Oh, so, oh okay. And, uh, you know, as long as we're talking about side hustles, the, the only thing we've been doing since last um, February... Or end of January. I love how uh, you call it side hustle. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, in addition to your other activities outside of med school. Right. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, we So we bought a car, uh, Subaru Outback. I remember that you told yeah, me the story. So okay. we, re- we rent that out, too, okay. through an app called Turo, T-U-R-O. Okay. okay. 
Um, so it's 2009 Subaru Outback. Anyone listening, you're welcome to rent it. Okay. Um, it's a little bit more expensive during the winter season. We we raised the prices because we have a ski rack on it, and mm-hmm. so. So it's um, kind of a it's kind of a Uber way. It's a little um, bit of like of a rental car agency. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, yeah, it's kind of the Airbnb for cars. Cars. Okay. Yeah. Good. So it's it's more passive income. Mm-hmm. We uh, we drop it off at the airport. In fact, I'll go pick it up tomorrow morning, and then we have another renter picking it up tomorrow night. But um, you own this car. We own the car. So I assume you. Well, I don't know if I, I so like, but if it gets stolen, I or someone doesn't return it or drives it and abandons it in Wyoming, there's probably these things that start happening, right? You, we have so we we charge a certain amount, we get three fourths of that, you and get one fourth card. of it. Yeah, you, there's like damages. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, tur- like we have insurance through Turo, okay. so we don't have to use like our own personal insurance. Okay. Our first renter crashed the car within three hours of renting it, Sweet. which is a huge headache. And a nightmare because, like, we it was like our first renter. We don't know if they're going to screw us over. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm sure your wife. <clears throat> this is more your idea than your wife's idea, right? So no, it was her. It was her, her idea. Okay. I, okay, so the way this happened is <laughs> so she's probably feeling. I had a friend <laughs> applying here, um, and he was telling me he did this, mm-hmm. and uh, so I don't know if you remember Luo, Luo Shi. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, he was he was one of my companions on the mission for like seven months. Uh, and so he was doing this, and I was like, oh, this is actually, like, not a bad idea. So I mentioned it to my wife, and then she was like, oh, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, well, actually, I don't know if I want to do it anymore. Like, sounds like it might be more hassle than it's worth. And then she was like, no, no, we, we definitely should do it. So we went and, like, bought a car, like, that week mm-hmm. and uh, and then started renting it. And um, so anyway, she, I, am, I'm much, I get much more stressed out about the car than she does. Because um, it's kind of, you know, a car is kind of, you know. Oh, and, it, and this car has and, had tons of issues. Like, yeah. on, in addition to this crash, well, I won't get into the details, but it was a huge headache. We had the engine died, and okay. it turned out the oil burned out, which is horrible. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the worst things That's that can happen really to a car. really bad. Yeah. The engine was yeah. gone. Oil but is the blood. When of we the bought car, the car, yeah. we bought it used. We had this, they had this warranty, this, like, comprehensive warranty. But, you know, I thought warranties were a scam. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but we got it transferred to our name and stuff. And uh, fortunately, this is the best warranty ever um and they replaced the engine for free oh, wow. it was like forty three hundred dollar repair so we got a new engine and then uh, the alternator went out they replaced that for free the axle broke they replaced that for free like the axle on the front one of the front wheels like in a weird way and and uh that you know that would have been an expensive repair i just have in my mind like when people return rental cars they do really nasty things to the inside of it sometimes so I don't know if you've had to deal with that. Not not so much. Okay. I think like I think when it's sand, like sand. Yeah, I think it, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not like super sandy here. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know of any nice beaches around. But like you know, like 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 cups of Coca Cola being turned over. Uh, and, and they mm, just kind of like you know the rental yeah. car agency just kind of cleans it. Right? I think yeah. um, I think like people have a little bit more of a sense of like conscientiousness when it's mm-hmm. like someone's personal car that they're renting. Okay. You know, they feel a little bit more responsible. Right. Um, so, so we have way at one in the morning. They can just yeah yeah yeah. We so we haven't throw their food down. Ex- yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, not not so much like that. So we haven't had that many issues that way. Okay. But just like issue, mechanical issues with the car, definitely we have right. definitely had. But okay, jump to third year. So okay. third year, well, what rotations have you done already? Um, so I've done everything but surgery and internal medicine. Okay. So I started with peds, and then I did um, psych, family, mm-hmm. um, OB, and I just am finishing up neuro. Best rotation so far? Uh, I think family. Why? Because uh, I went up to Heber, and it was mm-hmm. like rural, rural-ish. Mm-hmm. Rural enough to be rural, but not too rural, mm-hmm. so I could come back on the weekends and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you can and use Uber to come back? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. No, actually, I blocked my car out for those for that month right. or whatever. 
Um, the my preceptor was really great, Dr. Lofgren. He was really nice and uh, he taught me a lot and he let me do a lot as well. So mm-hmm. you know, you start feeling like a real doctor. Mm-hmm. And uh, full I just like, scale, full scope, yeah, full but, scope. Yeah. He didn't do he didn't really do any gyne OB mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. Um, but he did everything else. And uh, babies, kids, yeah, adults, babies, kids, adults, elderly, yeah, yeah, and it was just really nice. Like they all liked him a lot, and like you could tell that they all had a relationship, and it was really fun. I liked it. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, and uh, it was kind of nice to be outside of like the mothership, mm-hmm. you know, out in Heber, and you feel a little bit more isolated, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, that was good. I liked, I liked aspects of Obi Gain. Mm-hmm. I liked the, I think the medicine, like the actual like. The intellectual part of it, of Gain in particular, was really interesting. I didn't love the rotation, though. The hours were kind of long. Mm. Um, and neuro's been interesting, and yeah. So, Peds, uh, Peds, and Peds was okay. Mm-hmm. Psych was good, but yeah. So there you go. Right. Yeah. I'm not gonna hold you to it, but what are you thinking of doing? Um, uh, probably ophthalmology. Okay. Yeah. Have you done a rotation? Official yeah, rotation? I did. I did do a, uh, yeah, I forgot to mention my two electives. I did ENT and ophthalmology. Okay. Yeah. And so two weeks of each. Did you just feel like, like these are your people? Like this is fun. Um, this is interesting. I mean, did it re- resonate with you in some way? So, yeah, I think it's hard to like get a sense, especially for something like ophthalmology where you're just like in a dark room and like you can't do that much. Yeah, the surgical you know? field is very small. Yeah. yeah, you know, I looked in the slit lamp and like I looked through the lens and I got I got better at like looking in the back of the eye and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we don't really get much ophthalmology training in school, so it's sort of hard to say mm. like what's what's going on too much and like the and the doctor that they put you with for the rotation whose name i will not mention he is not particularly interested Mm -hmm. in like having students around or at least that is the impression that i got so it wasn't like the best experience for that week my week at the va was was pretty good um like it didn't blow me away Mm -hmm. but it wasn't like but you know nothing is really like you know i think so what what attracts you to the field then why do you want to um, oh, I like the, I, I like the hours. Those. I like the lifestyle, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I do like the um, like, like the patient population is good. Like mm-hmm. you know, older people, mm-hmm. um, and I also like the fact that they can get in there and really fix things. Okay. Yeah. You know, like cataract surgery is amazing because lifestyle, uh, you know, like hours. I mean, that's you can pick a lot of fields like dermatology. So I'm yeah. still curious why the eye. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think yeah, no, I think um I think it has also the potential to make a big impact. Like I I mm. see myself doing like humanitarian work in the yeah, future yeah. like overseas and like that ophthalmology strikes me as a field that like is you can make a really big impact in a short amount of time. There's not much post op um follow up and or or care necessary mm. and like I think these like sort of um medical uh, sort of yeah. humanitarian I mean, th- uh, initiatives across the world are yeah. very effective. Andrew, you're getting the point because like, you think about like someone has really bad cataracts yeah. and can't see. Right. It's extremely uh, disabling. Half hour, hour operation. I'm not, I ten minutes. Okay, ten minutes yeah. when Ian's in charge. Well, yeah, for, <laughs> exactly. When you're as efficient as I yeah. am. And you go from not seeing to seeing. I mean, that's, that's huge. It's yeah. amazing. That's yeah. life changing. Yeah, it is amazing. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, retinal issues and stuff like that, like, I, I'm attracted to sort of, like, neurology. I wish other, well. fields of med- like, other fields of medicine work that way, you know. Like, I, yeah. I get the sense, like, yeah. I, well, I, I, I know, I feel that in medicine there's a chronicity a chronic nature to a lot of diseases. Mm-hmm, absolutely. But I think ophthalmology, especially with cataracts, there's like this ability to go in and boom. 
yeah, take yeah. care of it. It's pretty. It's, it's done. Yeah, it's pretty. I think that yeah. that aspect is quite rewarding. But it also has you know that sort of chronicity of care yeah. for other diseases like mm-hmm. you know macular degeneration and yeah, and stuff true. like that. And I think there's you know there's also a lot of like cool gadgets and stuff people always talk about. And but I you know I think just in general it's a good field for like both lifestyle. You get mm-hmm. some medicine. You get some surgery. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know at the end of the day you can uh, feel. Like you made a big impact. All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, last two minutes, Ian. Mm-hmm. This has been, been great. Um, uh, you recently published an article. Uh, why don't you just talk about it? Like, what, what, what are your thoughts and feelings? Okay. Well, you know. I'm giving you the mic. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Well, so I published I, an article. I, I, let me say this. Dr. Chan neither agrees or disagrees with Ian's following Yes. Position. yes. Th- thanks. <laughs> Good way to uh, CYA I'm just, there I'm a little bit. myself. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Um so uh, this is, I think, an issue that would resonate with any third-year medical student and has, in my experience. Um, so I, re- I recently published an article in Toximity called uh, Clerkship Evaluation Scores Are Useless. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, because leading up to medical school and getting into medical school, you know, there's a big um, emphasis on test scores, which are imperfect, an mm-hmm. imperfect measure of your ability. But at Kinda least goes are... holistic review. Right. Yeah, and yeah. at least, like, somewhat standardized. And holistic review is fine, too. You know, mm-hmm. getting your other extracurricular activities in, research. Like, that's fine. I think everyone's sort of on a level playing field. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you get into third year, you get these evaluations from attendings, which are based not so much on your ability um, as, as much as uh, what the person usually gives people. Mm-hmm. So... Um, for anyone that's listening and is in their th- first and second year, this is a piece of advice that I wish I had gotten at the beginning of third year, which is don't pick if, – if, if you were ever offered an option for where to go for uh, your rotations, don't pick what you're interested in. Pick what uh, the third and fourth year students ahead of you tell you will get you the best score mm. because that's you know what matters. And like these clerkship scores, like they are so arbitrary and like you can you can work – you know, you work your tail off and get a terrible evaluation just because, you know, somebody gives bad evaluations. And mm. it's from a scale of one to four. And a lot of people don't really understand the system either. And so they just sort of, you know, it's like they may, they may as well be like throwing a dart at a dartboard mm-hmm. um, when they're evaluating you. So it's, it's frustrating. So I read your article and yeah. like my take from it was is that you, a medical student, you, mm-hmm. and I assume this has happened to you. It happened to me. Yeah. You work really, really hard. You show up late, stay. Show up early, stay. Show late, up late, late, leave early. No, you show up early, leave late, do a lot of research, get yeah. to know your patients, yeah. do all this work, uh-huh. and you're getting positive vibes, positive compliments, right? And then even two, positive written feedback. Yeah, two to three, four weeks later, you get your official score back, mm-hmm. and the numerical score is lower. Yeah, it's like two they, out of four. Yeah, and there doesn't sound. Like there's good adequate explanation, and your question is: Is is this the best system? Like yeah, what's going on? Well, and yeah. there's other people you work with for one day, and they give you four out of four just because they're like, well, you know, I want to help them out, you know, mm-hmm. and like nobody really understands the system or like that it has an. Imp- I think some people don't think it has an impact. Mm-hmm. Some people think that a two is a reasonable score, um, whereas other people think four. You know, if you don't do anything really egregious, you should get a four. Um, so I think the scoring system is just sort of arbitrary. So you're, you had actually, I enjoyed your article. I think you actually talked about a solution. Mm-hmm. And this is not, and I'll say this with a caveat, this issue is not unique to our school. This is a problem across the country. Yeah, yeah. 
So what, Absolutely. What, what, what's your solution? What's um, I think that there are a number of solutions that mm-hmm. could be implemented. I just included one in my article for the purposes of the 1,000 word yeah. count. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I think this would be a reasonable solution, which is to take the numbers away. Mm-hmm. Because um, a lot of time the written evaluations, you know, many times there's not much thought that goes into them. But that's okay because um, that's, you know, that just doesn't tell them anything. Um, but if there is thought taken and they do describe your behavior and the things you were good, like good at and bad at, you know, I think that's a better view of what kind of student you were. And the numbers sort of give us like lend this veneer of objectivity mm-hmm. when no objectivity was used in their creation. Like in a test score, there is some objectivity because you got the question wrong, you got the question right. And you, you know, you got the point, you, you didn't get the point. Whereas with these scores, they're sort of arbitrarily assigned. And so they lend this sort of veneer of, of objectivity that then course directors or residency directors can look at and be like, oh, okay, he's a four student or he's a two student, you mm-hmm. know? And like, I think as humans, we generally tend to do that. And then we dismiss the other, or, or maybe we like glance at the actual mm. description, but we look at the numbers first. So more of a qualitative. Yeah, I think a qualitative assessment okay. would be reasonable. Mm-hmm. Whereas this quantitative assessment is just all over the board. And I cited an article in there that I think said that, mm-hmm. you know, scores are all over the place, but often the quantitative or the qualitative description of a student is still um, so I think reliable. That, just to provide a counterpoint, I, I think I've, I love this. This is fascinating. Yeah. I, I think you know, when when you will apply to residency programs, you'll have something called the MISPI, mm-hmm. the Medical Students Performance Evaluation. Right. And there is this scoring aspect to it, but mm-hmm. there's also a written narrative where I think they try to take those compliments, take the written narrative and kind of create this big paragraph right. to kind of provide a counterbalance. Uh-huh. I'm not sure, you know, if that's as successful as it can be, but I hear what you're saying, like yeah. kind of taking away this arbitrary score and right. focus more on the comments. What if the same thing starts happening with professors they just, or faculty? They just kind of, you know, everyone says excellent instead of circling a score. They just kind of, everything starts sounding the same. Like how do programs differentiate? And that's the problem, you know, like there's always going to be some amount of, um, you know, the only reason why we have this system is because residencies, certain residencies are more competitive than others. Correct. And it's, you know, more and more difficult to match. And so you need to find a way to stratify students mm-hmm. um, into those, I guess, who are worthy mm-hmm. of going into their desired field. Um, but I think, you know, my perspective is that most students, like 99%, maybe 95% of students are just like fine. You know, mm-hmm. they're where they're supposed to be. They they show up, they do their work. There's maybe 2% that are like amazing, amazing students. And there's maybe 2 per, 2%, 2 or 3% who are just like horrible humans, like sort of sociopaths who somehow got through the process and are just terrible. And like, you know, I think... And I, lo- I, th- I love it, Ian. You're talking to the mission's deed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so... My, my goal is not to admit those people. Right. Yeah, exactly. You got to get rid of those people. Mm-hmm. And so like, scoring and evaluations like they serve a, pur- a purpose they maybe highlight this top two percent yeah and then they maybe screen out this two or three percent sociopathic uh yeah. you know psychopaths and then the rest of them are just okay so it's hard to stratify and any system might be somewhat arbitrary yeah in that in that I sense think it's honestly really hard because you're talking about assigning value to human behavior right being administered by a lot of different people mm-hmm and it's, it's like it's like this like comp- a complex system yeah. kind of interacting with teachers. Like how do you create a metric that I, is truly? You know, I, I, I promise you, objective. I guarantee you that like the various faculty in the different departments and divisions 
have had training modules about, mm-hmm. okay, this is what you do. This is how you fill these rooms. Right. You know? Yeah. And they've sat there. And, and it makes no difference. <laughs> and they and they, they certify that, you know, and then people take attendance. Right. And they, you know, and, like, you can say, like, like where, where did these HIPAA modules come from? Oh, it's the same problem. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, how, like, so how do you train people to do what's right and what's best? But then when they sit through all this training and they go out and they still kind of do this. So, okay, well, mm-hmm. then we need to pull them out. They can't teach our students. Yeah. You know, and then, like, okay, well, well, like, we're, we are at the university. Everyone should be teaching the students. Right. right? That's kind of right. part of our mission. Exactly. So I, I'm, I'm very empath- I'm very sympathetic. You know? Yeah. I just I just some people are with, harsher than yeah. Others, like how, you know, do, you, how do you how do you manage that? How do you control that? How do you modulate for that? Well, and I think taking away the numerical scores just sort of minimizes the impact, mm-hmm. um, which I think is probably better. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think uh, then they have to focus on your research, they have to focus on your step scores, which you know are also not the best, mm-hmm. but at least everyone's sort of on a level playing field. Um, and they focus on other things, whereas yeah. like on this is just sort of yeah. arbitrary. Because these residency programs are getting thousands of applications, yeah. and they're and they're just kind of like they're just trying to, to strata. You know, they have to stratify or thin the herd. Thin, yes, yeah, exactly. Thin the herd. Weed how, out the weak. Yeah. How do we do that? And right. they start using things like step one scores, step right. two scores, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah. So, but anyway, I think clerkship scores uh, have a bit of a ways to go. Okay. So. Cool. All right. Well, Ian, we're out of time. Okay. I've loved this. We'll, we'll, have, we'll have you come back. Oh, that's because I, I know you, you, you and your wife. You, you, like you're these little mini entrepreneurs. And, like I think it's just <laughs> mini amazing. emphasis on mini. All right, you're these mega no, entrepreneurs. No, no, definitely mini. <laughs> definitely mini entrepreneurs. If your wife is listening, please. We want more ideas. Yes, that's yeah, right. That's yeah. right. I want I want Ian <clears throat> drones. Uh, Uber. I, yes. I, I want some uh, we medical need, care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some, Eye exams. Uh-huh. Kind of, I want some sort of yes. idea. Kind That's of right. This is gonna, I'm going to have the Uber of ophthalmology. That's my practice is going to be the Uber of ophthalmology. Whatever that means. I like that. Yeah, there like you go. That. All so, right, cool. Well, yeah. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.